RV batteries, and everything you need to know about them. This is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer Podcast, delivering the smarts you need to enjoy the freedom of the RV lifestyle without the fear of breaking down. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you notice there's some different things in the background. We're making some changes to our little studio here, but we're also making changes to the show. And we're trying to adjust, make it better, you know, little changes, subtle changes. Maybe you notice, maybe you don't. But the point is we'd like to get your opinion on our show. If the uh, you have some useful information that will help us, we want to hear from you. Actually, any opinion, whatever, good, bad, or indifferent. So you can go to the smartrver.com, go to the contact us page, and tell us what you think. If you have ideas, you can submit those as well. We want to hear from you. And like I said, we're making changes. We want to make changes to make the show better so you benefit more. It's all about the smart RVer and learning more and making this whole RV thing that much easier to do. So with that being said, let's get to the first segment of the show, Living the RV Life. And today we're going to talk about stargazing. Oh, boy. So this isn't a trip to Hollywood (laughs) to look at people on Hollywood Boulevard, the stars coming out of studios or whatever. This is about those little tinkly, shiny things in the (laughs) night sky, stargazing. So Alexis, oh, by the way, Alexis is here with us today. Alexis, what can you tell us about stargazing? Well, I really thought we were going to go see Tom Cruise, so I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, um, I, I just think it's such a wonderful experience, like you were saying. Um, definitely, obviously, you know, step one, look for places that have darker skies. So not around cities. You're not going to want to go there. You're not going to get as good of a view. Um, so no populated areas, probably more remote locations. And we'll talk about a few of the places you can go a little later, but, um, they do say that national parks are the best for obvious reasons. So, you know, two, you want to check out the weather forecast because you don't want to drive somewhere (laughs) to look at stars and just have it be a cloudy, cloudy night. That would just kind of bum me out. I think. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So you got to look at that clouds and stuff and you're planning a trip to do this. Yeah. You want to look at the weather, you know, it might not change the trip, but at least you have an idea what you're going for or that one night you want to make sure you have clear, uh, clear visibility of the sky right (laughs) so does it just have to be in national parks or can you stargaze just anywhere i mean like i said avoid populated places but it does to say the elevation the higher you are the better so if you're gonna trek up a a big hill or a mountain that's also a really good idea (laughs) so when we lived in arizona we were no lights around us we weren't in a city or anything and we were out in the rurals. And so one thing I remember, every night at almost 9 o'clock, you'd see a satellite or something fly over us. Oh, sure. It was like clockwork. Huh. But you could see the stars, just unbelievable yeah. how clear it was. I'm Zillions sure. of stars. We weren't, we were at sea level or below sea level. but Right. So you don't necessarily have to be in the mountains. It just helps. True. You it see helps. a different array of them. Like yes. here where we live in Montana and Victor Hamilton, you can see all sorts of them. Oh, night. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Very cool. So you can see different things in different areas, yeah. too. Yes. Even though it's the vast sky, mm-hmm. it's still going to look different from different places. Right, exactly. Yeah. 
So is there any time of year you would say would be better or worse for um, this? I mean, summer obviously makes it easier, especially if you're in a cold area. You don't want to necessarily be shivering outside trying to look at the stars if you're looking at it through a, a telescope. But to, um, yeah, I mean, there's some apps you can download, which are really mm-hmm. cool. They tell you kind of what constellations are going to be close. Right. So you can kind of plan around that. Them up to the sky and yeah. actually compare. I know. I've, I've used those before. I think they're mm-hmm. really fun. Yeah. So that can help you out if you don't know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> I think warmer weather is better for telescopes and stuff like that. I think I'm the sure. colder weather puts stuff in the atmosphere. Yeah. I, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. It distorts yeah. it a little bit. So warm weather, good. (laughs) So where would a few places be really good to go? Well, one, and I think we've covered this before and talked a little about it, but Arches National Park is like very well known for being an amazing place to stargaze. Um, And then there's Yellowstone National Park, another really, really good one. And sometimes if you ask, they do take groups out there. So you can go out with a park ranger if you're kind of nervous about doing that. And you can go in a group and do it. To, you know together you might see more that way um death valley is another yeah. really good one you're not gonna have any lights light pollution around there <laughs> um and then the great smoky mountains national park as well all right so there's i mean any national park yeah i mean that's some <laughs> of them but there you know you go to the mountains in general yeah. you go out to the desert um you go anywhere there's yeah. not lights you can see it's the light pollution yeah. that ruins exactly. it you know exactly if you're in la you're not gonna see any stars no. well you see some driving down the road but you're not gonna right. see up in the sky not the not the bright ones <laughs> right okay so that sounds pretty cool that's an easy thing to do mm-hmm. relatively inexpensive especially if you already live there but if yeah. you don't you do a little traveling it's a great thing to incorporate into your RV trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can go someplace where you can just kick back in some chairs or some lounge yeah. chairs and look up and your family's there. You can talk about it and look at things mm-hmm. and, you know, what, let your imagination put yeah. it all together and see yeah. what you see. You know, that's pretty cool. So nice. All right. Awesome. So check that out when you get a chance. And by the way, um, on your ex- next RV getaway, take at least 15 pictures of nature. That's my, that's my prescription for your next trip. 15 pictures of nature and no selfies. Mm. Everything but yourself. (laughs) Okay. But the pictures you'll like, you know, nature is good and they're part of the memories. Even if it's a lame picture, you know where you got it and what, why you took it, you know, because a lot of pictures we take are lame. You know, it looks really good until you click the the shutter and oops, what was that for? You know, (laughs) but anyway, so 15 pictures, no selfies. Now that's going to take us to staying on the road and we're going to talk about RV batteries and everything you need to know about them. Every single detail. Well, not really. We don't have enough time for that, but we're going to cover the important things, things that matter. So how many times has a dead battery killed the day for you? Get it? Dead battery killed the day. No Mm -hmm. pun intended. How many times has that happened? Once, twice, three times. Ever ruined your day, Alexis? Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, Missoula one time totally blew it and just had to sit there for Wait, hours. <laughs> you and Cole went camping last summer. Yeah. Got yep. stuck with dead we batteries, got stuck right? Up camping. That was fun. Now, you were <laughs> local enough where it wasn't a, was a ruined trip. Deal. Right. But still an inconvenience. Yeah, a huge one. <laughs> okay, so you've had a dead battery, or how many times have you bought a new battery? You put it in thinking, oh, everything's going to be good now, <clears throat> and you still have the same problem. Yeah, that sucks, but it happens. 
How many times has someone sold you a battery? Maybe to shop saying, oh, this will fix your woes. They put it in same thing. You still have the problems and they charge you for the battery and their labor. See, that's lame, <laughs> but it happens. So you have to, well, not you have to, it's understanding batteries can reduce some frustrations. And that's why, you know, the smart RV is listening to this podcast to learn about batteries and other things to figure out, or so you know what you really need when you need it, or at least have a good idea when you go to the shop and they're not just blowing smoke, you know, and you're <laughs> stuck with a battery you didn't need, or you're questioning, hmm, did I really need that battery? Or did they just put one in saying I needed it. Was my other battery just, you know, low or, or whatever, you know, it mm -hmm. takes the guesswork out of it. And then also you speak more intelligent when you go to a shop and you have a clue what you're talking about. You keep them guys on track and sometimes they're dishonest and sometimes they just don't know any better, you know, and not every shop is bad. There are good shops out there. So every RV on the road has at least one deep cycle battery and motorhomes will also have what is called a starting or cranking battery, two separate systems. They're really not connected as far as running the house lights, things like that. The deep cycle battery in a motorhome is called the house battery or typically called the house battery. So it separates it. You have the starting or cranking battery and the house battery. The house battery is going to be a deep cycle battery. It's not interchangeable with the cranking battery. Some people do it. It will work, but it's not good for the battery. Deep cycles are made for running lights and all that kind of stuff, having that extended load on them. So in today's modern world of RVs, what batteries are being used? Hmm. Lexus, got any input here? These <laughs> yeah. ones. The old favorites, <laughs> XPON 360s, of course. <laughs> Those are the lithium batteries, and they are being used. Um, more and more RVs are coming out with, or, you know, leaving the assembly line with lithiums in them, or the dealers are putting them in. It's still not an everyday occurrence, but it is happening. Right. But you have flooded batteries, which I don't have sitting here, um, which are your typical deep cycle batteries. Like we sell interstate and AC Delco flooded batteries. So you're just lead acid batteries. Mm -hmm. uh, most basic battery you can get. Then you have your EGM or excuse me, AGM batteries in your gel cells. Very similar. They're both sealed batteries can be installed in different ways, sideways, whatever. They don't vent. They're more expensive than a flooded battery, not as expensive as a lithium battery. Then you have golf cart batteries, otherwise known as six volt batteries and golf cart batteries are most common in the flooded, but you can get them in gel and AGM. And there's a lithium batteries are made that size, but they're still 12 volts. So if you had that size and that's only you can go back in, you'd have to go with a 12 volt. I don't know if there's a six volt lithium battery yet to replace the golf cart in the truest sense, but nonetheless, <laughs> and typically if you have the golf cart batteries, you want to go lithium, you're just going to make the lithium normal ones work anyways. Right. So most RVs come with a 24 or 27 series battery. Some now are coming with 31s series. It depends on the RV, how it's made. Some RVs come with one battery. Some come with two, very few come with three or more. Most of them come with one or two and some batteries don't come with any. The dealership might put them in, might not. You might have to buy them at the time you buy the RV. You might have to bring your own. Depends on the dealership. You buy a used RV, it might have them, but the batteries might not be any good. 
They might have two sitting in there just so there's two batteries sitting in there. So the difference between the batteries, 24 series, 27 series, and 31, and sometimes they can be called group, 20, group 24, group 27, group 31. So either way, 24, 27, 31. So they have different sizes and amp hours. So a group 24 battery is generally 12 inches long by 7 by 9. A 27 series battery is 13 inches long, uh, 7 by 9. A 31 series battery is 13 inches long, 7 by 9. Get the picture here? Only one dimension changes, 10, 12, or 13 inches. A golf cart battery is uh, 10 inches long by 7 by 10, 10 high. So it's very close to a 24 series battery, just taller. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the 6 volt. And so the amp hours would be the other thing. A, a 27 series battery might have um, 85, 88, depends, amp hours. A 24 series might be 81 or so. A um, 31 series is going to be 98. Let's just call that 100 amp hours. So that's going to be almost the same. That's the same as a lithium battery. And then a golf cart battery is going to have 225 amp hours per battery. But when you put two of them together in series, you make one 12 volt battery out of two six volts. You only have 225 amp hours. Right. You know, it's easy to think that it just doubles, but it doesn't. It becomes one battery. So it's 225 amp hours. So you have the different types of batteries, different sizes, um, the different qualities, things like that. Now, what really changes it, I mean, they all do the same thing. They run 12-volt appliances. You know, it's just how you can drain them, how much, you know, depth of discharge, recharge rate, things like that. So those are where you have to consider a lot of your own personal needs, what you're doing, where you're doing it, how reliant are you going to be on your six or your uh, batteries? If you're always plugged in, then batteries pretty much don't matter because you're always plugged into shore power and you don't need them. You know, they're just for that time when you're not plugged in, maybe traveling. So you still want to have them. You want to keep them in good shape, but you're not going to be using them like someone who's dry camping. So the other thing with batteries are how do you want them to be installed? Like if you have a travel trailer, do you want them on the tongue of the trailer? Or do you prefer them to be inside the RV? With theft and things deteriorating, crime rates going up, mm -hmm. even, you know, lead-acid batteries are still a, an item to steal. They're not worth as much as, let's say, a lithium-ion battery, but people still steal stuff, right? If they can get 8 bucks for it at the recycling center, they're going to steal it. Mm -hmm. But a lead-acid battery pretty much needs to be outside, you know, on the tongue of a trailer, in fifth wheels, they're mounted in the front compartment, but they're in a box that's sealed, and the box itself is vented to the outside. Okay. And the reason why is it's the gases. That acid will get on everything in the compartment and eventually ruin everything in the compartment. That's why they're vented to the outside. In itself, sitting there, it's going to work the same, function the same, but those gases will eventually cause everything to start corroding. Yeah. And, you know, you see how batteries in a car or something, they get that corrosion all over and it starts leaking down, mm -hmm. draining. You get that. Yeah. But your deep cycle batteries aren't going to have that as much as just the gassing and then it ruins stuff. Okay. So lead-acid batteries typically are going to be maybe in a lock compartment on a fifth wheel, but in travel trailers on the tongue. Now, you can get boxes for them 
to lock them in, which RV lock box is a box that we've used. We carry them in stock. It's a nice box. I don't recall the prices and they just revamped their whole line. So they look a little bit different. So I don't even want to throw out a number, but they're <laughs> over 200 bucks. I'll tell you that. Um, maybe three, not sure, <laughs> but it's an option to lock them on the tongue. Now, if you want to put batteries in the side, only inside the RV, maybe in a compartment, you don't want to have to have them in a sealed box. You can't vent it to the outside. Then AGMs, gel cells, or lithium would be the way to go. Now, AGMs are a lot more expensive than a flooded battery, and we really don't see a lot of those in RVs. I've had AGMs and gel cells in my RV in the past, and I wouldn't buy them again. I don't feel I gained anything. Okay. Some people really prefer them. That's all they'll want to put in their RV. But as far as the life, I didn't get anything out of it, and it just seemed to work the same. Mm. So I'm not saying they're bad. That's just my experience with them. But I know they, they are good batteries, and they are sealed. So they can be mounted on their side. They can be inside. They're not going to gas that type of thing, which is good. So if you have to have that situation and you don't want to spend the money on lithium or it's not in the budget, there's an alternative, but they're still not cheap. You know, you're going to be 350, $400 easy per battery. (laughs) You know, if you, and again, if you find really inexpensive ones, that means they're really cheap ones. Yeah. The lower the price, the lower the quality. Yep. You know, the big box stores, when they sell deep cycle batteries for $85, (laughs) you're getting a very cheap battery. It's not quality. And it might be a good name. It (laughs) might be AC Delco, might be Interstate, Mm. but it's not a quality battery because they're made cheaper for the big box store. Right. So we don't sell those here. We sell the better quality, higher price. So you get more bang for your buck, really. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, batteries being installed inside the RV, outside the RV on the tongue. So that's going to depend on your needs, where you live, theft, the quality of the battery. If you're going to put lithium ions on your, in your trailer and your only place to install them is on the tongue, then get a box for them. Make sure they're locked up. You know, locks can be broken. Boxes can be broken into, but someone really wants it, they're going to get it. But it deters the, a lot of the basic thief from stealing it you know the crack addict who just wants to make 20 (laughs) bucks to go get his next high (laughs) gonna stop that guy yeah (laughs) so there's no crack addicts listening to the show i don't think (laughs) but it doesn't matter because that's reality those who those who steal a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. you know people with drug problems addiction problems (laughs) so then which battery should you choose well that's going to depend on various things so that's where you have to do some analyzing of of your needs. Now, lithium ion batteries are the, you know, what everybody's talking about nowadays. Everybody wants lithium ion, but then they look at the prices and prices really dictate the quality of the battery, especially with these. Now, if you're watching, you see, we have Xbeon 360s here, and this is the brand we carry. We used to carry Battleborns and we dropped them because of the significant difference in quality, better warranty, better battery. Mm. And I've, talked about them in the past on our hundredth episode we went into this a little more and a lot more in depth actually and i actually have some videos of battleborns that i haven't posted yet and i need to do that i'm just going through it and just trying to fine-tune them but it really shows the difference in quality and a lot of people are buying like 500 dollars lithium batteries and they're junk they're not any good they're gonna last for a few years and that's it then you're gonna be spending that money all over again mm. why do that 
If you're going to not, if you don't want to spend the money, buy AGMs or gel cells. Yep. You know, put your money in that. You're going to be happier with it than buying a cheap lithium. So, you know, which battery? If you're doing solar full-time in your RV all the time, using the lithium ions would probably be the best way to go. Heavier investment, but remember, if you do sell the RV, you can take those batteries out and put them in your new one, put in some new batteries that are a lot cheaper into the RV you sell. Mm -hmm. You know, I hate saying that kind of stuff, but it's better than just not having the batteries in there. True. And, you know, the batteries you choose might depend on your RV. So let's say you have gel or uh, flooded batteries in your RV and you're really thinking you want to go to lithium and you want to go solar or maybe you already have solar. Well, you have to make sure your charge controller for your solar system will charge the lithium batteries is adaptable to that. And the converter in the RV, you have to make sure that it will work with the lithium batteries. All these batteries have different charge rates. So it's important you charge it properly. If you have a converter set up just for charging flooded batteries, it's not going to charge your lithium batteries. They will never have a full charge. It won't happen. So you have to make sure the chargers or charge controller is designed for that. So if you're going to spend $1,000 for each lithium battery, let's say you're buying two, that's $2,000. Then if you have to buy a converter and a charge controller, you might decide to stick with flooded batteries Mm -hmm. or AGM or something because that extra money it might throw it out of the budget where it's not worth doing or you can't afford it. So Mm -hmm. those are the things to consider. And that's why it becomes personal, not just your needs, but how much is in your wallet? (laughs) You know, it's the bottom line. In a lot of cases, how much money do you have? (laughs) And so lithium batteries are great. The, you know, they're typically a hundred amp hour batteries. Now the 24 series, they come in smaller, like 95 amp hour, 65 amp hour, but they're still pretty pricey. I would just try to put the 27 series in, make them fit, and just have 100 amp hours per battery. Be done with it. And because you can drain them lower, um, you get more usage out of them, uh, the 100 amp hours works out pretty good. So it's a nice way to go. But if it's a budgetary thing or you just want simplicity, then just go with flooded batteries. AGMs and gel cells, you got to really think about that. Do you really need them? They are good batteries. Just for me, I wasn't excited about them. (laughs) But um, the flooded batteries are what in most RVs. They've been working for decades. Inexpensive way to go. If they fail out on the road, it's not a hard decision to make. If you have to buy two new ones, big deal. You know, it's better than trying to decide, well, gosh, this lithium battery failed on the road. What should I do? It has a warranty, but I'm not going to be home for a while. I can't get all the company, blah, blah, blah. Right. (laughs) You know, all of a sudden you're find yourself just buying flooded batteries anyways, you know, but you know, talk to the, your service center where you have your work done. If you're doing it yourself, just do some research, look at batteries as, you know, individual items or products. And that's going to help you make the decision. Um, you know, there's so many more details to batteries. I mean, you can really get into these things. Um, you know, like the batteries, how much, you know, can you use, you know, what's the depth of discharge? How much do they drain down when they're not being used? There's all these questions, but most of the batteries, if it's a, uh, a flooded battery, one brand is almost going to be the same as the next, as far as all the specs go. Same with a glass map battery, gel. So lithium lithiums are a little bit different. And the, the biggest thing about lithiums is 
that I think is they can't freeze or you don't want them to freeze. Okay. So that becomes a problem in a lot of things. Cars, I don't know in cars, I haven't researched, but I'm sure they have a heated battery system to keep those batteries warm because you can discharge them when they're frozen, but you can't recharge them when they're frozen Oh. or in freezing temperatures. Hmm. So like the XP on 360, they have um, blankets made for their batteries or bags that it sits in a bag. Um, other brands or there's other brands, of those bags to keep the batteries warm. Battleborn has one that's in one of the cells, a little heating element, not keen on that. It's going to heat one cell a lot better than anything else. It's not going to be a well-distributed, uh, heating effect. You know, I suppose it works. They're doing it, but that doesn't always mean anything either. (laughs) So that's probably the biggest negative about lithium ion batteries. And so if you're use your RV a lot in the wintertime, you have to consider that. Mm-hmm. It's the same with electric bikes. If you have an electric bike, you can't leave it in the garage if the batteries are going to freeze. You have to, you know, you should take the battery out, which they come out really easy. So those are things to consider. That's one of the downsides to lithium. Um, it's probably the only downside to it, really. Like I said, you just can't charge it when it's freezing. And there is that bottom temperature uh, I think it's below zero or at zero where, you know, you really don't want it to go below there. 20 below. I forget too many numbers. Um, you know, and your tip, your, your basic batteries, you know, like a flooded battery, AGM battery. If you have that charged and it freezes or you go into freezing temperatures, it should be okay. And so I, you know, depending on your RV, it might be better just to take them out if they're easy to take out. You know, you're not going to use your RV all winter long for four months or five months. Just take them out, put them in your shop and get a no-co battery charger, a smart one, and just set them on there and have a trickle charger, keeping them going all winter long. That way when you put them back in, they're fresh and trickle chargers aren't charging all the time. The smart chargers, they, they go on and off. They cycle on and off. And so it keeps this, the, everything active in the battery, mm-hmm. makes them actually last longer. Mm. How much longer? Who knows? Might be an hour, might be a day, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but you get something out of it. Right. So that's the feel good side of it. But you know, if you want the specs and things like that, I'll put some stuff on the smartrv.com website, um, all sorts of information and really deep dive on the specs, which you may or may want, you know, amp hours are the main thing and the physical size of the battery is what most people care about. And just one other point, um, real quick here. If you're replacing a battery, let's say you have two batteries, two flooded batteries, one goes bad and the batteries are, you know, two years old, you really should replace both batteries. That old battery will bring down the new battery and diminish its life. Um, very rapidly so you should just replace them both and i know that can be painful but it's well worth it do not have aged different batteries you could have you know different brands but just if they're different ages replace them both so that's just one last little tip there but like i said i'll have more information on our website and so you can go to the smartrvier.com under RV articles and you'll see it there about batteries or something with that sort of title on it. And as a reminder, we want to know how we're doing. So go to the smartrvier.com and use the contact us page and let us know. Please. <laughs> we're always curious. See what we need to improve on or <laughs> something you'd like to hear in the show. 
We'll get to it eventually. <laughs> That's right. All right. So now Alexis is going to share some information with us in our next stop section about Lake Placid, New York. All righty. So. Awesome. <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> I want to know everything there possibly is to know about Oh, boy. It. Okay. Uh, how about the usual? What are the highlights? Where do we eat? Where do we stay? Okay, there we go. I'll start with that. Well, one cool thing about um, Lake Placid, and it is Lake Placid, not Placid Lake, like the movie. But (laughs) (laughs) um, they have a pretty cool Olympic museum there. Um, You might, viewers might know this, but the 1980s uh, Winter Olympics were held there. So that's pretty cool, notable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's so much to do um, if you like adventuring there's zip lining that you can sign up to do i know i've always wanted to do that um there's skiing in the winter there's downhill mountain biking so there's a lot to do there <laughs> sounds like it so yeah. and that's the whole point everything everywhere we talk about going there's always stuff to do exactly you know keep you busy right spend a lot of money all that kind of stuff <laughs> usually yeah Keep the family happy <laughs> yeah it's important <laughs> so there's activities there now what about eating are there any awesome places that just stand out you gotta know where to go to eat huh um there, there's a place called salt of the earth which i just love i love that um tight or name name <laughs> <laughs> um they have grilled salmon so it's a little fancier it's like uh, Cornish hen. They have New York strip steak, which I love steak. <laughs> they have piccata. Um, so if you're looking for a little bit of a fancier venue, you might want to check them out. <laughs> yeah, steak sounds good. And the yeah. Cornish hens do with the fish now. Uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's Wyatt's. They have the Mexican uh, food for you they've got the burritos the taco the guacamole <laughs> yeah mexicans <laughs> always works there. yeah you can't go wrong <laughs> yeah, usually yeah and then they have redneck bistro which is just everything barbecue so right on. yeah <laughs> gotta redneck. love that <laughs> so that's probably the most unhealthy place there i'm sure it is <laughs> that's okay Delicious. sometimes you gotta splurge yeah <laughs> you know give me a reason to go see your heart doctor there you go yep <laughs> all right so what about staying there if you bring your rv are you going to be disappointed or happy no you're going to be happy i think there's quite a few places to stay um there's Whiteface mountain koa um, very RV friendly, so they've got plenty of spots for your RV. There's Thornbush Acres RV Park. They've got full hookups, which is always good to know before yep. you, you stay somewhere. You want to know that. And they have activities for the family. So if you want to sign up for something or go check it out, they've got, like, games outside. All right. Um, and then there's Brookwood RV Resort, which they have a really nice supply store. So that's good uh, to know. <laughs> buy some RV parts while you're there. Toilet paper, you know. These are the stuff. things you need that yeah. you forgot or ran out of. So that's always good to know, though. Yes, you know? At least it is. you can count on that. That's right. Especially if you get there and towards yeah. the end of the day and, you know, you need something. Yeah. There's, you can count on that. There's always something. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> any kind of vacation, doesn't matter. It's RVing, flying, mm-hmm. driving. There's always something you forget and have to buy on exactly. the road or run out of. Yeah, yep. <laughs> All right, awesome. And when's the best time of year to go there? Well, since there's so many things to do um, in all the seasons, really any time is good. Winter and summer activities are okay. just abundant there. But 
if you're, you know, if you're snowbird, snowbirds, maybe the summer would be better. <laughs> so, That's the wrong or, direction for a snowbird. You know, bird. you're right now that I think about it. <laughs> okay, if you're summer birds. <laughs> non-snowbird. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. <laughs> okay. We get the point. Yes. <laughs> so any time of year. All right, cool. So that sounds nice. New York does have some nice places, so we don't want to discount New York. Um <laughs> Sometimes New York comes to mind. We think of crime, right? But New yeah. York is actually a pretty darn cool state. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, been there several times, and I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a place I'd like to go back, but yes, farther than I like to travel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So we appreciate that. Now let's get into the RV and V section, and we're going to talk about the Echo brake controller made by Kurt Manufacturing. I don't have one sitting here; it's out of reach. We can do without it. And can you get it, Alexis? I'll get it. <laughs> without it becoming a... There we go. All right. So the Kurt brake controller. So what's unique about this thing is a couple things. It comes with an app that you can put on your smartphone and download the app and, man- and work the controller. And the other thing about the controller is it doesn't mount underneath your dash. So if you have an older vehicle where you got that brake controller mounted underneath the dash or you have a newer vehicle where it's mounted in the dash, came from the factory with it, you know, those things do fail. And sometimes you have to put a new controller. And, yes, you can get a a, a new one for in the dash, but maybe decide, hey, I want to try something different because my in-dash one sucks. I don't like the way it functions. (laughs) It's hard to get to when I'm driving. You know, there's all these variable ones. Some of them you have to press buttons and do this and that, and you have to really focus on your speedometer or the the cluster there, taking your eyes off the road. Where a smartphone you can hold up and kind of look at it while you're driving. Someone else could actually help you with it as well, your co-pilot. So it plugs into the receptacle, the trailer receptacle, where all your your seven-way plugs in for your lights. So cool. So it's pretty darn sweet. You know, it just plugs into the back of the vehicle, the connector, the cable from the trailer plugs into it, and it's done. It's connected. Perfect. So there's an initial setup on it, and you can also set it up for different vehicles. So if you have a different braking, whatever, for another vehicle or another trailer, you can set it up that way. But it uses the app. It's pretty cool, and you don't have to have the app. You can get by without it. Oh, okay. So you can install it and use it. Cool. Very so good. So the next time I get a brake controller or need one, this is what's going on my vehicle. Yeah. Forget the dash-mounted ones and all that. This right. thing just seems too easy. Someone you know is pulling, maybe they're borrowing your trailer, they don't have a brake controller. Here you go. Yeah. You know, yep. it's safety. Yes. And you have to have a brake controller. Driving without one is a nightmare. Yeah. Someone, you know, needs to borrow or they their, their brake controller failed and you want to help them out here, you can borrow mine for your trip, yep. you know. Pretty yep. sweet. Mm-hmm. And they can download the app and do what they want to do with it as well. Very so nice. it's not like it's just locked into you forever. Hmm. So they retail for 250 I believe, somewhere in there. It might be a little off, but it gives you an idea. And they're pretty darn cool. So I highly recommend these for somebody who's looking for a brake controller. So we have something coming out just about every week now as far as videos and audio. Mm-hmm. So you, the audio, you know, you're getting that. The videos, you know, if you're subscribing, then you know it's there. But if you check back with on our YouTube channel, you know, it's a smart RVer. 
at, on YouTube. I think it's actually YouTube at the Smart RVer. But if you go there, you'll see the videos, and there's already some stuff there, but we're adding to it weekly. Every podcast now is put on YouTube. Our Fast Tip Fridays are all they're actually designed for YouTube because they're very product-specific. Mm-hmm. So check that out, and we're constantly adding, as I said before, maybe not in this episode, but other episodes, any products we talk about in here will become a deep dive on the Fast Tip Friday. Yeah. You know, and those are generally 10 minutes or less. So we don't uh, drown you with boring right. stuff, you know, all the nonsense. We get into the nitty gritty, the things you need to know yes. to want to use it or not to help you give the, make that decision. So I want to thank everybody for listening today and Alexa's information she shared with us. Yeah, of course. <laughs> all right. So this is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast. It's been awesome hanging out with everybody today. If I don't see you on the road... Let's connect at the smartrvier.com.